Welcome to Teaching Artist Podcast, a show dedicated to discussions of teaching art to kids, making art, and how those things overlap and feed each other. I'm Rebecca Potts, your host, a visual arts teaching artist. so, so much for listening. I really appreciate you including my voice and the stories and encouragement of the artists I speak to as a part of your day. I really also love hearing your thoughts on these episodes, so any reviews you share are super, super appreciated. I've recently discovered an awesome podcast app where you can listen and share what you're listening to with friends. Good Pods is a social podcasting app. I'm on it, and I've even created a teaching artist group there. When I figure out how to do it, (laughs) I will share the link and um, letting you know so that you can join and share all your favorite shows and episodes and any thoughts about them. And, you know, this is not sponsored by Good Pods, but it's a fantastic app. You should go grab it and share all of your favorite podcasts. And this week, you will get to hear directly from our featured artist in her own voice, And then I've got a great interview with a multidisciplinary artist from Ghana. Each week, I'm sharing a featured artist as well as a guest interview. I'll share a bit about the featured artist here, as well as sharing images of their work on Instagram and on the website. This week's featured artist is Carly Bolin, and I'm excited to let her tell you a bit about herself in her own words. Hi, I'm Carly Bolin, and I'm a fine artist and art teacher living in Dayton, Ohio. Growing up, I enjoyed taking on various creative projects from sewing to drawing with sidewalk chalk. I didn't become interested in pursuing art as a career until high school, where I discovered my passion for painting. From there, I attended Bowling Green State University to major in art education and fine art. I felt the need for more studio time and went on to continue my education at Southern Illinois University Carbondale to achieve my master's in fine art. Since graduating in 2013, I have continued to push my studio practice and give myself room for experimentation as well as developing more thorough and refined finished art pieces. The element of control is a concept that encompasses much of my work as I constantly endure the effects that control, or lack thereof, has on my life each day. My works have become an outlet for expressing personal thoughts and anxiety in a visual manifestation and have become a way for me to accept that we have influence but little control over our lives and the choices that we make. The fact that our lives are always changing is both the best and the worst part about living and is something that I'm learning to cope with and work through by way of my creative practice. Even though this realization may feel heavy, I also feel that perspective is a big part of how we choose to evolve as people. Many of my art pieces contain vibrant colors that suggest positivity and optimism. I feel that my outlook on life is generally positive and that there's a lot to look forward to. Although I spend time dreading bad things that could happen, I spend more time looking ahead to things that can go right. Although we cannot control what happens to us, we do have control over one thing, which is our reaction. Thanks for giving me space to share a bit about my artistic journey. I look forward to both learning about other artists and being a continued part of this growing podcast community. 
So make sure you check out Carly's work on our website at teachingartistpodcast.com, on our Instagram at teachingartistpodcast. And if you would like to submit your own work to be featured, you can do that on our website at teachingartistpodcast.com slash opportunities. Peter Achu shared how he went from creating shadow theater in his home for the children and families he grew up with to working on international theater productions and with ITAC, the International Teaching Artist Collaborative. It was so inspiring hearing how he spread his passion for the arts, not only into schools, churches, and communities throughout Ghana, but also through mentorship of younger teaching artists. He talked about his teaching approach splitting from the school system's top-down methods and empowering students in co-creation. He shared how students respond and become so engaged as that's the approach they've been crying for. Yet it remains challenging to convince schools of the need for both student choice and voice in learning and for the arts integrated into the school day a challenge Achu continues to take on. He also talked about the strain COVID placed on him when his programs were all shut down. He has worked hard to continue teaching via Zoom and has continued creating, saying, art is my breath. It was beautiful and heartbreaking hearing how expression through his art forms has helped him cope with the challenges of this time and how resilient he has been, not only shifting the way he works, but also helping other teaching artists learn to use Zoom and other digital tools. A big challenge has been getting the equipment needed to be able to do this. After we spoke, we actually looked into crowdfunding platforms and are working on setting something up that is available in Ghana, but allows donations from all over the world. So I will be sharing links when that is available. In the meantime, you can also reach out to Achu to support his work directly. Peter Achu Adalate is an internationally recognized multidisciplinary teaching artist whose journey began in 1998 at the National Theater of Ghana. With over 20 years of experience, he has worked with schools, community arts hubs, churches, and corporate and nonprofit organizations. He has contributed immensely to teaching artistry, empowered many children, youth, and artists through art-rich events at the National Theater of Ghana, including Fest, Theater Program for Schools, Fun World, and other innovative workshops. And he has used his arts organization, Bright Future Arts Foundation, as a vehicle for promoting arts in education. In 2018, Achu was selected among global applicants as a fully funded delegate for the fourth International Teaching Artist Conference held in New York. In the same year, he was appointed by the organizers of the Kampala International Theatre Festival as a stage manager for a UK-based award-winning theatre company, Semia Theatre. Unfortunately, he couldn't embrace all of these opportunities due to conflicts, but persistent and deeply dedicated to his passion, he was selected by ITAC as a catalyst. And to open teaching artists in Ghana to opportunities, he established ITAC Ghana, 
the first international wing of the International Teaching Artists Collaborative. Now he heads as the country director. In 2020, at the fifth International Teaching Artists Conference held in Seoul, South Korea, he was selected as a collective room leader and worked with other resourceful and versatile teaching artists across the world virtually. Now, Achu is expanding the field of teaching artistry in Ghana by engaging international teaching artists in empowering Ghanaian teaching artists. Achu's dedication has been acknowledged by UNESCO in the International Arts Education Week. With such an enviable network of teaching artists around the world, Achu continues to promote the arts in education, offering professional development workshops for teachers, and empowering teaching artists and artists to become impactful artpreneurs. Let's hear from Achu. I am speaking across oceans with Peter Achu Adalete. I'm so excited to hear about your background and your teaching, and I love to start with that background. Could you share your journey with us? How did you get into the art forms that you're involved in? And then also, how did you begin teaching? First of all, I just want to again thank you for this opportunity. It's been wonderful. I'm so grateful for connecting. Yes. And it's good that the world gets to know some of what we do. And that is very inspiring and powerful. So I'm really genuinely grateful for giving me such an opportunity. Absolutely. Way, Way back when I was five, six years old, we lived in a compound house. Have you heard of a compound house like here in Ghana? Or we have this setting where people live together, you know, in a uh-huh. lab compound, you know, we are not isolated. So, yeah. like many families together? Exactly, exactly. Yeah. So, at age five, six, thereabout, I used to use a cloth and I tie them to two poles and I get a lamp and I place the lamp behind the cloth, and then I cut out some hard cuts to represent my characters. Then I stay low, kneel behind them, and I use my voice to, you know, portray characters. So I see I'm able to attract children and even their parents all along in the house, and I entertain them. Mm-hmm. And I never knew I was doing silhouette or cinema by then. <laughs> mm-hmm. So yeah. that was... I could remember that very well. So I was doing that a lot and I used to joke a lot and I used to dance a lot and I love gathering people, you know? So that was it. I have been, I've been like that for years. So when I got to primary school, I was doing dance competitions, you know, in school. And whenever there's entertainment, grade one, I was reciting a poem because my name was Peter. My first poem was Peter Piper. So when I recited that poem, it changed a whole lot of me because the applause that I embraced really empowered me to keep doing what I love doing. It has been on since then. I got to junior high school, got to senior high school. There in senior high school, most of my time, I can say 98% was dedicated to the arts. I was dancing, I was doing drama, I was writing, I was doing comedy. I was doing everything at, you know. And I must confess here that I was more engaged in my artistic dream than my academics because that is what I loved doing. So fast forward 
right after completing uh, SHS or SSS by then, in 1998, I began my profession, you know, getting to the National Theatre of Ghana, participating in uh, professional theatre productions, events, both volunteer and then corporate. And I've been doing a lot of dancing, a lot of acting, a lot of poetry and comedy and event management and MC then. So it was then in 1998 also that I started uh, roping myself into teaching, you know, teaching the arts in, in churches, in communities, in schools. I used to travel like four or five hours back to school and other communities to teach. I was introducing the arts in education. You know, I was very active. Mm-hmm. Teaching artistry actually began in 1998. It was very intense. That was where I really got into the field. I began teaching choreography, that's dance, acting, poetry in churches. And then I extended that mm-hmm. in other schools and in the communities. And basically, that's where I've been operating much. And then sometimes on the streets as well. And my mm-hmm. field has been very much strong in, in the areas I mentioned, in writing scripts, directing theater productions, working on choreographic pieces. You know, So I'm a multidisciplinary kind of person. I, I do what I feel and what I'm empowered to do. And I'm able to function in those areas. So I got more empowered uh, when in 2018, I had a recommendation from James Gibbs, who happens to be my mentor when ITAC had his conference, ITAC 4 in New York. So I got the opportunity. I sent in my proposals and all that, and I got fully funded. That was the good news. But the bad news was that I couldn't travel to New York because of visa complications and all that. And from there, yeah, I've been yeah. with ITAC. You know, I've never been the same. ITAC has really empowered me. So teaching artistry became more meaningful to me through ITAC 4. And since then, I've never been the same. So that has been a brief journey for me. Yeah, amazing. And I should say ITAC, for people who don't know, that's the International Teaching Artist Collaborative. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm so proud that I have to be the manager for ITAGAR. Amazing. And could you share maybe what that entails and what, you know, what kind of work are they doing? What does it mean to be the manager for Ghana? When I look through what ITAC has been doing over the years, I strongly believe in the dream of ITAC. I have a belonging now. Like I do find fulfillment in what I do. And I realized that, mm-hmm. no, why not? It's, I, I can't wait for ITAC to, to open branches or establish chapters in, in Africa. So why don't I extend this positive drive to my people? So I quickly place things down. I mean, work around some communities and I, I quietly started uh, introducing ITAC to some teaching artists and artists. And what we do here is that on a very small note, I started engaging or empowering teaching artists and artists, letting them understand the dreams or the visions and missions of ITAC. So I have been organizing so many artist programs for teaching artists and artists, and we go about even mm-hmm. schools to promote the arts and education in schools because I find it it's very important to promote the arts and education in schools and in the communities and churches as well. So ITAC mm-hmm. Ghana is quietly working things out, and I hope to bring it out or unveil it on a on a bigger platform. But I believe working quietly before getting things out. 
Yeah. And they're an international organization that really like the the goal, I guess, is to share yeah. share research and share best practices exactly. among teaching artists, but also kind of get the word out to non-teaching artists that this is a field and this is, like you said, really so beneficial in education. Yeah. And what has it been like there? What sort of response do you get from schools and churches and community groups when you say, you know, we need to include more of the arts? For churches, it's always 100% positive because, you know, mm-hmm. it's not because of the influence I have over them, but it's, it's been there. You know, the only thing is a lifting, you know, is to upgrade or to intensify what goes on. For schools, mm-hmm very challenging because the arts has become an extracurriculum kind of activity. I mean, it's Mm -hmm. seen as an activity that is outside the wall, you know, so it's difficult breaking through. But you see, the funny thing is that when the school really understands and and embraces you and comes for you when they're having their graduations or special programs that Mm -hmm. needs the arts, you know, that's the bitter story for me. I mean, that's what doesn't go well for me, all right? You know, so I believe yeah. that if we or if the schools can incorporate the arts, I mean, that that would, I know some countries are doing that, but it's difficult here in Ghana. Here in Ghana, with my personal experience, from where I stand, the arts only comes in if they need you for their program, setting, you know, functions, you know, events, you know. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's really difficult for them to incorporate, you know, the arts. You know, it is. I've, I've never seen any school accepting my proposal to income. They only need you for events and stuff like that. But I keep talking. Mm. I believe that I'll, I'll have a breakthrough soon because I'm, I'm soon yes. working some outreach programs for uh, school owners and school managers very soon. Yes. Uh, keep at it. Yeah, the campaign is on. Yeah. I'm not sleeping. I keep working. And I know definitely oh. have a breakthrough. Yeah. And I know, you know, what you're talking about with arts integration, like having art be part of the curriculum and taught, yeah. Yeah. you know, taught as the regular school subject, but also taught like mixed into the other subjects Yeah, is what our mutual friend, Pat Cruz, who introduced us, like what she is all about and what she's talked about. Has your work with her helped at all with just figuring out how to talk to the schools and what, I don't know if there's any information or data that she can share that helps with that. Yeah, Pat, Pat, Pat is amazing. She's really mm-hmm. amazing. I find myself so, so blessed to have met Pat. She's so much loaded with resources. And she had a Zoom meeting with us and she briefly shared some of those uh, informations to us. And I really love what she's been doing. I mean, she, she's some, she's mm-hmm. more, and, and I'm using some of those resources, but there's more I need to get from her because she's been there. Mm-hmm. I mean, she's, She's one person who can help and keep helping with such uh, missions. Yes, she is. Yeah, absolutely. And then when you are working with students, what does that look like? I know maybe it varies a lot because you work in many different art forms and across writing, dance, theater, even sort of the behind the scenes parts of theater production and directing. I guess I'm wondering, what does it look like when you're working with students? Are students really coming up with their own stories and their own ways of telling them? Or is it more of a collective, creative 
process? Yeah. Or is it more, you know, that you, you bring it in and they kind of put it all together? The, the, first of all, I have a story to share. I, mm-hmm. Whenever I get to the schools, the school owners or the school administrators always call me in. They call me privately. Peter, I mean, how do you do this? So I ask them, how do I do what? All of the kids, they just, when they know you are coming for an art program in a day or two, they are so energetic. And my name is all over. My name is flooded. I mean, an hour or two. Uh. And I I go like, well, that's, so I keep telling them, you see, it means there's something missing in your school. And they keep asking, what is missing? Mm -hmm. That's what I'm telling you, that the arts is not for fun. I mean, you need the arts. You need to integrate the arts. And I keep telling them, Mm -hmm. if your learners are not really responding wholeheartedly to what you are giving them, it means something is missing. You see, because whatever Mm -hmm. I teach them or whatever I instruct them to do in the art form, I use what you, you use, but just that I know how to go around it. Because in dance, in acting, there's maths, there's science, there's everything in the arts, you know? So it means they are crying for me because they love my approach. So you need my approach. <laughs> you know, this is what I keep telling them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So fast yes. forward to your question, it's always been a fulfilling experience for me. And one of the things I've learned and I've always been doing is I don't believe in preparing. I believe, I believe in preparation, but I don't believe in strictly instructing students or learners as what to do when it comes mm-hmm. to the arts. Mm-hmm. I always believe in co-creation, you know. I always yeah. believe that there's always something there that I have not seen. If I always have to create an art piece and present to them to mimic or to imitate that, I have always believed that does not work out well. In the sense that you are not going to help the learners to grow, to be themselves. It means they always to go to copy something and then they just bring it out, right? So what I believe in that, I always go with a stimulus or I spark up an idea and I always empower or provoke them to use their creative means also to put things together. And that, that has been wonderful. I always go create with the, with the learners, you know, and it's, mm-hmm. it's been wonderful. So I have never, ever given every, anything out 100%. I make sure I put in maybe 20, 30% of an idea and they also pop up some ideas and we work together. You see, this is what allows the learners or those engaged in the art making become very confident. You know, they believe that mm-hmm. it is not about Achu coming to tell us what to do, but it's about Achu provoking us or inspiring us to do something that is ingenious, something that he also has believed that we have. And that is it. And that's all the schools I work with and the churches always say that I'm unique. I'm unique because my approach is always different. And I'm always so proud of that. It's it's always different because whenever I'm around, you know that I'm going to tell you to bring out something. And it's been wonderful, though it has also its challenging you know, aspect, but that's part of the game. That's beautiful, though. I feel like it's so much more meaningful for students, for anyone participating in an arts program to have ownership of it and to, that is it. to be encouraged to bring something out of themselves. That is it. Yeah. It's really, I'm so passionate about this aspect of what we are talking about because, you see, unfortunately, in our system, in, to be precise, in the Ghanaian educational system that I've observed over the years, sometimes 
has not really been helpful in this way because it's more of instructional mm-hmm. until the Montessori system and other systems cropped in. You know, it has always been mm-hmm. the, the instructor or the teacher or the facilitator comes in one plus one and equals to two. Nobody questions what one plus one is. And you are being fed, you know, all the time. So you, mm-hmm. read, you read from the textbooks and you're expected to memorize and bring back exactly what is there. You see, you see, so that that has been, yeah. you know, so even in the mm-hmm. art, people grow up like that. They come in like that. Oh, I'm not going to do anything. I'm just going to do what say or the instructor tells me to do. The dance instructor wants mm-hmm. to move left. I'm going to move left. No, I don't believe in that. I believe everybody mm-hmm. is empowered. Everybody has something unique. So if you, we only need to open it up to them. And it's been good with me so far. Has part of the challenge been that students are not used to that? That's, you know, you come in and you're not giving them every instruction. You're not giving them this sort of top down. Here's what you have to do. Move your arm, move your foot. <laughs> you're, you're telling them, like, how do you want to move? How will you tell your own story? Yeah. Is that hard for the students to adapt to? Yes, that has been the challenging aspect. But though mm-hmm. challenging, I'm able to break that in the immediate. It doesn't really take two days to break that challenge, you know, because mm-hmm. I always let them believe in how, in my approach. And, you know, the funny thing is that that is the approach they've been crying for, but nobody creates such a mm-hmm. for them, you know? Yeah. One yeah. one learner is more empowered when he's been given the opportunity to create something of his own and to own it. All right. The mm-hmm. other person just looks on. No, you can't compare the other one to the, the former. You know, every child wants to do something of his own. And the only thing they need is guidance and inspiration. You know, so you go to certain places, whether in the church, in the school, or in the street, or in the community, you you kind of provide, okay, yes. I'm giving you A, B, C. Now I want you to add H to it. And then you find mm. some of them making an attempt and a chunk of them will just be there either watching you because that has not been the culture, all right? Yes. So from there, they get to understand from me that, okay, this is how it can be. And they've been liberated, you know, so I end up liberating them and it's been good. So the challenge doesn't stay for long. I'm able to break it by grace, you know? So it's, mm. it's been like that everywhere. And then I wonder if that, if there's any little like trickle of that into their other classes, if then they're longing for a little bit more freedom everywhere. That is it. Freedom is, mm. for me, the art means freedom. Mm-hmm. Because you are not placed in a box or in a dungeon. You know, you are free to explore. The amazing thing is that I have been mentoring most students from the schools of the performing arts, I mean, in the tertiary level. And some of them come to me privately. They go like, we need you in our schools to be our lecturer. I say, why? Because your approach is different. I mean, what most of them have is, you know, you are tightened in the box. You are told what to do and what not to do, you know. Mm. But I end up letting them know, go and figure out I mean, dare unknown grounds. I mean, dare. You need to dare unknown grounds. You need to break rules. It is important, you know, before you break them. And that, that's what they do. So I keep having many people coming to me, trying to learn from me just because of that approach. And I find, like you rightly said, we need to incorporate that into so many other aspects of our lives, in business and any other thing. People should be given the freedom to explore. Mm-hmm. For me, that's the only way you can be yeah. a And that's the best way to learn and then translates to life. You know, you don't have 
someone telling you every move to make when you're out of school. Exactly. Uh, and how has the pandemic shifted things for you? What has that been like? Rebecca, um, uh, it's, it's an emotional... Mm. Um, COVID has... I know it's general. Nobody is happy about COVID. Mm. From where I stand, it, it's really affected me greatly because mm-hmm. um, about 98% of what I do is in the arts. Everything arts and... <laughs> When COVID came to shut down my project, my proposals, and took a whole lot of things out of me, I mean, I wasn't ideal. I kept making art, but financially, you know, it was zero, you know. Mm. And, and that's why I'm always happy about ITAC. I'm always being empowered about ITAC, inspired by ITAC. I was, keep, I, I, was, I was still creating art. And you see, the funny thing is that when COVID hit us in Ghana, I proactively sent proposal to the schools that we can do this online. But none of the schools, mm-hmm. I mean, I was not given a yes because it was so strange to all of them. But we had math being yeah. online. We had English taught online. We had other subjects taught online, but they were not ready to mm-hmm. risk with the arts. That has been the problem. But they find the arts being taught on Zoom, and some of them are adapting to it now. So you see, so it, it, I must say it has been very difficult for me, but I kept moving on because what I do has nothing to do with the conditions. I'm in the arts for life, and whether there's yeah. money or not, I keep moving because art is, is my breath. So I breathe it mm. all the time. I can be down, but I still create art. You know, yes. Mm-hmm. So COVID has not been fair to anybody. You know, personally, it's been horrible. But I'm happy mm-hmm. that I'm happy in the sense that COVID also taught me or exposed me to other aspects of my life. It, it really came in to expose how strong I am. Yeah, because despite everything, I was still on my feet. I was still on my feet and we can only hope for the future. Yeah, I can imagine when your work is in churches and schools, on the street, all of these places where now you can't do it. And like you said, they even when they did start other classes online, they were hesitant to do that with the arts. And I imagine access and like maybe not everyone has access to be able to do classes online. Yeah. That that's just a huge hurdle, a huge challenge. (laughs) (laughs) I I thank God I had a wife who has been supportive and a wife who understands Mm. what I do. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I'm glad that you're still on your feet despite these incredible challenges. And are you seeing, you know, is it getting better now? Are you seeing sort of a light at the end? Yeah, there's always light at the end. There's always light. Yeah, I know, you know, vaccination is rolling out here, but I don't know exactly what it looks like over there. Is that an option that's coming soon? Or is it, do you know, are there opportunities to get vaccinated there? Uh, vaccination is ongoing in Ghana. It's gradual. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's gradual. It's a big issue. Yeah. It's, it's, and you can agree with me perfectly that during COVID, the arts played a huge role in mm-hmm. comforting and empowering the souls of people. So we can never depart the arts. So for me, COVID, COVID, we still need to work and keep our heads up. Mm-hmm. Keep going. Yeah. And through all of this, what have been the best resources? What has been helping you through this? I've done a couple of projects online, like co-creative projects, done a dance project 
which I'm yet to, I'm still editing. My machine mm-hmm. even crashed, but I'm still working on that. It gave me the opportunity uh, to, yeah, yeah, it, it, it's, it's another story altogether. So I had the opportunity to create a dance piece with some artists and teaching artists all over the world, just selected few. And mm-hmm. that has given me the opportunity to open myself more to the global field. And so mm-hmm. it's been soon. And now what I what, what I'm working on, what I'm relying on now more is with getting some cameras, professional cameras to do more, more of the vet. Mm. You know, yes, that that is something that has been a hindrance at the moment. You know, and, and I'm trying to send some mm-hmm. out there. I need to get support to, to put things online. You know, so mm-hmm. a lot of virtual works needed to be done. And yeah, you need, you know, technically you need to be equipped to get these things ongoing. So that has been the right. challenge. It is not easy getting access to cameras, you know, to put yourself together and all that. Yeah, I know the phone can do that, but you may not always use the phone. You know, sometimes you need other gadgets to complement. Right. Yeah. yeah, like the higher quality cameras. Exactly. Yeah. Are there foundations or are you getting donations somewhere? Like, where are you looking for? How are you kind of reaching out for funding for that? Yeah, I'm yet to, I'm still working on the proposals, but Mm -hmm. trust me, talk about funding or donations. I'm sorry to say this. Don't talk about Ghana. I'll be surprised if anybody tells me he's getting donations or any of that sort. Yeah, yeah, fine. Yeah, maybe somebody or few people may have access to that. Yeah, I'm here to know how they got that. But funding arts in this country, I'm sorry, that would be news to me. So Mm -hmm. my proposal is strictly out. I'm sending proposal outside Ghana to get people who are generous enough to believe in the dream where I can have access to cameras. I mean, if not even anything basic to get me, I need to empower people here. You know, I need my artists to know mm-hmm. the importance of doing things virtually. I need to train them, you mm-hmm. know, believe in capacity building. I need to introduce them to how to use the Zoom, how to use virtual stuff, you know. They need to learn how to mm-hmm. record, how to edit. It is important. If you were mm-hmm. not in that over the years, then the time now is to move this way, you know. So the kind of project I'm organizing now, which I'm yet to embark on, is to equip artists digitally. So mm-hmm. therefore, I need enough resources. So what I'm writing now is for the world. I'm soon to launch out my proposal to get funding or not really. Funding is also difficult on a general scale, I know. So I'm just trying to get people who can help me with gadgets, you know, for production. You know, yeah. But, yeah so. Even like the companies that make cameras, sure. I feel like sure. they, sh- they should be able to just donate some. <laughs> I'll be grateful. You know, I always tell my folks that what I don't know is it's about me. It's difficult me putting something out there seeking for fans. It's difficult. Mm-hmm. I always want people to know this is what I need. What are the fans for? I need the fans to purchase cameras. Okay, so why don't you get me camps i mean directly because you write proposals for funding and it's difficult you know everybody's complaining about money mm. okay so i don't want to go money way i need cameras i need these gadgets i need light i need this i need computers you know fine if i get company mm-hmm. helping with that's okay so for me it's difficult seeking funds i know it's out there but mm-hmm. it's very difficult so what i'm writing now is basically being specific, talking about the gadgets I need for the workshops that I want to hold for the artists and teaching artists. That's what I'm doing. Amazing. I feel like part of that, like I know you've mentioned traveling around the country a bit, and I'm curious if there's places where it's 
you know, maybe more rural and those gadgets are even more in need. Like if there's different parts of the country that you go to where you're like, well, here we don't have any computers, like we really need computers here. What the differences are in access to equipment and even access to internet is that sort of everywhere. It's interesting because I know there's parts of the U.S. where there's no internet. There's, yes, yes. you know, really rural places probably everywhere where it's just yeah. there's no access. Yeah, that has been the major challenge, having access to, mm-hmm. to computers. To, to know that there are no computers mm-hmm. in the country. Of course, there are computers, but, you know, we are talking about from a very general, you know, angle. I mean, it's difficult for people mm-hmm. to have access to, you know, it's quite expensive to have access to good machines or good good computers. You need lighting, right. you know, production, you need lighting, you need computers, you need microphones, you need all that. Then if you really want, train people or organize workshops, you don't talk. You need to demonstrate. You need to show them this is this, this Mm -hmm. is how it works. They need to feel, they need to touch it, you know. Mm -hmm. Access is a problem, you know. Some areas wouldn't have access to internet. So if you are lucky, you can purchase some gadgets that you can have Wi-Fi, you know, and have your mobile connected to your phone and you have access. Mm. That, That is good. Right. Yeah. So access to internet, I think that wouldn't be too much of a problem because you can surely buy it and then you go with your package. Mm-hmm. So the more has to do with, right. the, with the computers, I mean the gadgets, you know. Yeah. It's a, a, my, my yeah. Gadget. Maybe some kind of crowdfunding, like exactly, like a GoFundMe or Kickstarter. I don't know which one would be <laughs> would be best. One of those type of things. I'm so ignorant about such funding, you know, platforms. That has yeah. been I don't know much about them. So. We'll have to talk more about it, figure it out. Yeah, yeah. Hey, listeners, I'm jumping in here because I have an ask of you. If you are enjoying the show, I would so appreciate your support. I'm humbled and grateful for all the interest in this show over the past several months and for the messages I've received letting me know that this podcast has resonated with you. It has been so inspiring to hear from you. Thank you. This podcast does take time, effort, and resources to share with you every week. And I want to, I plan to, keep it going and stay focused on highlighting and inspiring artists who teach while also continuing to grow this community and dreaming up additional ways to help you. One way to accomplish this is through direct listener support. Your support would really help the show and community grow. So I've set up a link where you can quickly and easily support the show The whole thing will take less than 60 seconds. It's at anchor.fm slash teachingartistpodcast slash support. You can contribute one, five, or ten dollars per month. If Teaching Artist Podcast is a part of your week and you love what we're doing, please consider visiting anchor.fm slash teachingartistpodcast slash support or just clicking the link in the show notes and supporting us in any way that you can today. I love, though, that 
You're doing so much. You're working to help other teaching artists and train them. You're trying to get the equipment that's so needed. You're still teaching and still making your own art form. Yeah. I'd love to hear more about your own artistic work. And I know you've been involved in so many things. Yeah. Just like you talked about teaching all the different forms. You've been involved in so many productions. Yeah. Yeah. I'd love to just hear more. One of the things that I, I just got a couple of questions uh, recently and I was asked what motivates me. And I told them what motivates me is the graveyard. And they found my answer to be weird. I say it's weird because it's not common to hear that. But for me, it's not weird because I know that, Rebecca, I'm here with you now. I'm so blessed to be with you, talking to you at this time. And I find it so fulfilling because it's not easy having access to people like you to be interviewed. All right. So as mm-hmm. I've got the opportunity, I'm really genuine. I'm not, I'm not formulating or faking words. I'm real. All right. So mm-hmm. the same way I believe that we are not going to be on earth forever. All right. I don't know how old you are, mm-hmm. but you're going to keep growing, growing and growing. And one day, mm-hmm. you're going to be part of the system. So that motivates me a lot. And that kind of let me, the graveyard always reminds me that actually a time is coming, you fade out. So if you need anything doing, mm-hmm. do it now, not tomorrow, it's now. You know, so mm-hmm. so whatever you see me doing with my art projects, you see, I do them because I, for me, it is now and not tomorrow. Mm. So I'm more into, I've been working on a project called uh, Yokeless Egg for 20 plus years now. Wow. You know, I've not, yeah, I've not officially unveiled it. I've been, I've been testing it. And that I deliberately did because I wanted people to understand all the artists or and teaching artists I was working with. I was just using that to let them understand that the art is very important. I'm not saying she used 20 years in creating an art piece, but I just want them to understand <laughs> the story behind what I was creating and what mm-hmm. I need it. So for mm-hmm. theater, I've been in theater for over 20 years. I've been creating theater productions, helping other production houses or directors to also get their dreams. I always want to assist my peers or anybody doing anything mm-hmm. in theater or in the art form. I do that. So I, I keep creating theater productions in churches, in schools, and wherever I find myself. And I've also been working with dance productions. I'm still creating and putting things together. Like I told you, I work quietly. I always want to work behind the scenes before bringing anything out. And I'm more into mentorship. Mm -hmm. Whenever I find myself directing, I end up teaching. Mm -hmm. Because I believe that, yeah, that's the best way to make an impact. So if I have a project about live theater productions or dance or poetry, anything, I make sure I end up using what I'm doing to empower others. You know, so I've also been involved mm-hmm. in a spoken word that is writing poetry, kind of being versatile. And I love being versatile because I believe that it kind of provokes you to be unique. I've been doing that collectively. I've been putting all this uh, collectively together for over the years. Though it's been challenging, I've been able to uh, hold myself in, you know, kind of directing multiple projects at the same time. It's not been easy, though. Yeah. And is there any production that you've worked on that just really was a game changer for you or one that you really enjoyed and felt really strongly about? Yeah. Every production has been a game changer (laughs) for me because I end up learning from the artist. But I want to mention one. Zoe Martinson's mm-hmm. The Fisherman short film, 
I don't know if you have heard of The Fisherman, short film, Zoe Martinson. No, oh, I'll have to look it up. It's, it's, it's a short film that has really, I, I was selected, mm-hmm. I worked on that project as the first assistant director and doubled as mm-hmm. the casting director as well. And Zoe Martinson is also a great writer and director from New York. Mm-hmm. And there's a lot I learned about her and I keep learning from her because when she came down to Ghana filming, I realized that she's versatile. You know, she wasn't just a writer or a director, but she could also direct the camera operators as to what she needs. And I was like, really? I mean, there's a lot you need to learn. You know, there's a lot you need to get into your system. You may not major mm-hmm. at, at all, but it's good or important. You end up learning almost all that you need to know. I mean, basics. Mm-hmm. So then you can really interpret what you need from people. So the Fisherman short film is an award-winning film. It's a game changer for me because watching Zoe from a critical lens, I realized that she really knows what she needs and she has invested a lot to mm-hmm. learn. And, and that for me has been very provoking. It has really provoked me over the years. I think, I think we did that in 2018. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and it's still doing well globally. Amazing. I will have to look it up. <laughs> yeah, you love it. I'll send you the link. Awesome. Thank you. Yeah. And I love that, you know, being able to learn from the other people that you're working with and seeing how they do things that can influence you. Yeah. Like yeah. even doing right now, learning from you. Oh. <laughs> I'm also curious how you find opportunities. How do you seek out these opportunities? Precisely in Ghana or globally? Either one. I guess both are are interesting to hear. I feel like for me, this question is a lot about like it's for other artists that are looking for like, how do I get an opportunity like that? How could I work with a director like that? So just sharing how you, is it all through connections? Is there, you know, somewhere that you're looking and you're submitting your information and saying, hey, I could do this work? I'm so happy about this. I mean, it has to do with volunteerism. I mean, the secret for me is volunteerism. And that is what many artists or TAs lack today. You know, I'm very emotional, passionate about this. You see, if you call yourself an artist or a TA, teaching artist, it, this game is not about you being famous. It has nothing to do with fame. I keep telling people this. Mm-hmm. You know, fame is just about, you see, we need to learn how to volunteer. Opportunities wouldn't run at your door all the time. No, you need to wake up, really examine yourself. Mm-hmm. First of all, what do you have as an artist or a TA? What do you have? What actually do you have in your hands that are strong? What are you ready to give out for free? What are you ready to give out for free? Then if you're ready, if you know that, if you're able to, I mean, put a spotlight on that, then you need to start hunting or looking out for opportunity to share those freely. Mm. So that's why you look at the streets, you look at the churches, you look at the malls, you look at the schools to offer. You go out there and tell, introduce yourself to people or the institutions, organizations. You tell them, this is you. My name is A, B, C, and this is what I do. I want to offer this in your institution or I, I want to do this. When you volunteer, people get to know what you have. When they get to know what you have, they're going to realize how unique you are. Then you start striking in from a corporate level. And that's where the recommendations, the connections and all those things fast in. Yes, of course, some opportunities, I do get them online. Like you can have something on radio, on TV, in the newspapers. But 
For me, it has been more of volunteerism. I go to a school to work. I volunteer. See, let me give you a scenario. There was this school in Ghana that I go to, and a friend of mine recommended me to them to, to be their dance instructor for their graduation program. So what I did was that when I got there, I did not only give them a package for what they needed. I ended up giving them something more. And right after mm-hmm. graduation, the school manager called me and told me that they want to employ me as the event manager, which means mm-hmm. I should organize everything for them because they realized that I'm versatile. So I earned a huge right. contract. I earned a huge contract and good money from that school. Mm-hmm. And you can imagine just this school has teachers. Those teachers also end up recommending me to other schools and friends. That is it. Mm. You know, I got a recommended to ITAC by James Gibbs, who met me at the National Theatre of Ghana directing. It's recommendation. Mm. So, volunteerism, you serve and you learn. You serve freely and you learn. Money will come in, but it takes time. So, all you need to do is to be genuinely volunteering and also looking out to the newspapers and radio and the media to know what is happening. That, but the trick is you need to go looking out for the opportunities and you must also learn how to create the opportunities and then you'll be known. Mm. It, it, then it goes on like that. Yeah. So most of my success has been strictly in volunteerism. I love how you talk about it too, as you know, you serve and you learn and there's so much that you can learn, but you're also making those connections and showing what you're capable of so that people can say, you know, when they have funding for a project, they think, oh, yeah. we need to hire Achu. Like, that's who we need for this. <laughs> and you must be genuine. Yeah. Volunteerism has to do with yeah. your heart. You don't fake it. You know, you don't go saying, you know, it's funny how some artists behave this way. You want to go volunteer in a company or a TV or a media house because you want to just please them. It doesn't work like that. They're, they're going to find you out. I mean, you should go with the genuine heart and you do, when you have a genuine heart, you do and you do extra, you know, one of the mm-hmm. things that have been celebrated over the years here in Ghana is every institution I've worked with, they know, oh, I truly will do more than that. I don't give you what you want me to give you. No, that's not me. I give you more than you want me to give you. Mm-hmm. So if I'm, yeah. if I'm giving you more than you want me to give you, why wouldn't you to recommend me to any other person? Yes, because I don't do ordinaries. I do extraordinaries. So that's what mm-hmm. you, need to know. you volunteer with a genuine heart and you do more. Yeah, I feel like there's a balance there of, you know, sometimes you hear how artists of all forms are sort of taken advantage of. Like people will say, oh, this is an opportunity for your portfolio. We're going to ask you to do this work and we're not going to pay you, but it's an opportunity. <laughs> And like finding the balance of where are you sort of genuinely volunteering and bringing your skills to something that you're passionate about and that you care about and that may lead to opportunities down the road. And then where are you kind of selling yourself short? Like there's there's some balance in there. And I think to add to that, it is very important that as a TA or as an artist, it is good Mm -hmm. you learn. You read more or learn more about what you're doing, you know, and mm-hmm. also understand what business is to what you are doing. So the entrepreneurship right. aspect has been a, a challenge to most artists. You know, you need to know the, the business aspect of the act. That is also important. Mm-hmm. You, need, you, you need to school yourself. If not, like mm-hmm. you rightly said, you will not be able to find the balance because you can be abused in the name of volunteerism. You may be abused. But when you read more and you learn more, you can have a balance. Yeah. And I feel 
that so much that, yeah, we need to school ourselves, especially on the business side of things. And just thinking of your time and how everything fits in for you, what does a week look like? How do you fit in all of the things that you're involved in? Does it vary a lot? Yeah, I'm very principled when it comes to scheduling my time. You know, Mm -hmm. because I'm engaged in multiple art forms. I know when to have my theater classes. I know when to have my dance workshops. I know when to write. I know when to edit. I know when to put all those things together. So proactively, I kind of like put my my activities, I structure them. Of course, Mm -hmm. there there are many cases you're going to have on the spot or impromptu calls or proposals coming in. Mm -hmm. I'm not able to balance that. I'm able to do this because, like I already established, I've been mentoring artists. So if I'm under pressure, all I have to do is to recommend some artists to do the jobs I know I wouldn't be able to do. You know, it's it's mm. work. I don't do everything alone. I know I can't do everything alone. That's why all over the years, over 20 years, I've been nurturing artists because I know that a time is coming, I need hands to assist because I can't be everywhere mm-hmm. at the same time. So when I get this course to work on productions or to do volunteer projects or to run workshops for artists, I end up going out for those I've already trained or nurtured and they do those for me. So I'm able to balance. Mm-hmm. I mean, that has been the secret and it's been good. Yeah. yeah, that's great. That's a great sort of benefit to having those relationships that exactly. then you have those people that you can call on and yeah. pass work on to them. Sure. Yeah. Okay. I have a few just kind of fun questions starting to wrap up. What are you curious about right now? This is a, this is a big <laughs> one. <laughs> I know it's so broad. <laughs> Curiosity. I love breaking rules. Mm. I love breaking rules. So what is happening to me right now and over the time is I always ask myself, there's this caption I have all the time. I mean, in my diary, I go like, what if, what if, Mm. you know, whatever I've read in the books, whatever I read on YouTube, whatever I feed, I always want to ask myself, what if, what if we do it Mm -hmm. the other way? What if it doesn't happen this way? What if this is not really working, you know? So I'm curious about the, how do I say this? Uh, the other ways of approaching things or doing, is it mm-hmm. like COVID? Is it how COVID came in? Mm-hmm. COVID is a perfect example of what I'm talking about. You know, when COVID came in, everybody started finding other ways of doing things, right? Uh-huh. Right. Uh-huh. So my curiosity has been on all the things that the universe has exposed us to. I always want to ask, Is there any other way or any side to this? And I believe it's a yes. So whenever Mm. I'm working as an artist or as a teaching artist, I don't want to believe only in what I've been told to do. But I always want to know other ways of approaching stuff. You know, I'm curious about any other thing that we are receiving or we we received in the past and we are receiving now presently. What, What is the other way of approaching things or doing things? And then it strongly goes mm-hmm. to say that we can rely on what we've been taught or what we've read before, but we can rely on the unknown. I do, and mm-hmm. I rely on the unknown. I want to get to, I want to meet the students. I want to meet the learners and tap from them 
I always get the unknown from them. Because when I, when I tell them to take step left, right, I tell them, and what else? And they give me what I don't know. And that's mm-hmm. what I believe will help the world grow. We should never be living with and by what we already know, but we should be ready to know the unknown. And that are something that the arts is really championing. That's for me. I'm curious about the unknown. Mm. Yeah. And there's so much unknown always, but I feel like especially <laughs> now. <laughs> I have another just kind of fun get to know you question. What is your favorite food? Oh, this is an opportunity (laughs) to invite you to Ghana. Have you been to Ghana before? Uh, I haven't. I would love to go someday. Then you're coming to me. So we have um, banku, mm. banku with okra stew. Mm. Yeah, banku with okra stew and fish. There's this uh, popular fish we call patogui. Patogui, patogui is tilapia. Ah. See, the name is very powerful. <laughs> yep. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> when you watch TV, they tell you don't try this at home. Don't, don't try rehearsing this. <laughs> so patogui is tilapia is my favorite and I, I i love it with banku you know banku is a mixture of condo cassava dough mixed together and cooked so and mm. with okra stew so almost like a bread of some sort or like a dumpling yeah yeah but not actually bread yeah it's heavy ah yeah but the funny thing is that though is my favorite i scarcely take that Scarcely in the sense that I don't take it as often as I desire or I might desire. It's once in a blue. You limit yourself. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) But I'm more into drinks and, you know, chops. That's it. I do a lot of uh, drinks and and biscuits. Yeah. What's a good drink? Fruit juice or coconut. Oh, yeah. Raw, like like straight from straight from. Yeah, I love straight from. Ah, the secret is that mm. I've been doing a lot of a lot of activities, no jumping here and there. So I hardly get time to eat heavy food. You know, I take a lot of light stuff, and then my wife always comes in to to remind me of the heavy ones as well. So that's it. <laughs> I love it. Yeah, I feel like it's always just so interesting. Food is like a universal thing. And it's I love hearing about what people like to eat. Thank you for that little mini trip to Ghana. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Is there anyone that you'd want to thank or give a shout out to? Wow, this is trouble. <laughs> I know, too many people. <laughs> yeah, I'm going, to, I'm going to try doing a general one because I learned something from an event. I went in giving shout out and I realized that I didn't give shout out to some people. So uh, let me do this. Uh, well, I'm not going to offend anyone, but I'm just so grateful to have received and to have been supported by all people all over the world. I just want to mention a few names. I want to begin with my parents, Mr. Michael Adalete and Mrs. Alisa Wito Adalete, my brothers, Paul Patrick Adalete, and my wife, Antonia Ladisifu. So grateful for mm. the International Teaching Artists Collaborative. That's ITAC. Uh, I'm so happy about what Madeleine Mikek has done for me over the years with Eric Booth, Jill mm. Massey, with all the catalysts. Especially, I can't mention without putting the spotlight on Pat Cruz. I'm so happy mm-hmm. for such an opportunity given unto me. And I'm grateful to my lecturers, my teachers, and all pastors and everyone who has been supportive with me. Not forgetting my, my organization, 
Bright Futures Foundation and Jolali Theatre House. I'm grateful. Thank you also, much, and Rebecca, I'm grateful to you for such a golden opportunity. I'm grateful to everyone. I mean, both mentioned and silenced. Yes, absolutely. Uh, and is there, I know you just mentioned Bright Futures. Would you want to share a little bit more about the foundation and Bright Futures Drama Club? Yeah, Bright Future Arts Foundation is an arts foundation I established in 2016. I, I registered it in 2016, but I established it in 1998. That is right after I completed my senior secondary school, I mean, education. Mm-hmm. So it's an arts education that the idea actually has been to empower students and artists in the communities. So mm-hmm. it was actually an after-school program and it's still. So what I do is to use that as a bait to attract students and any other person who has arts as a stronghold and to empower them. So I end up empowering them through the arts and other life skills. Mm. Yes, that's what I do. So we've been more into performing and working on drama projects. I mean, dance, music, and what have you. I mean, anything arts, that's what we do. Mm. So that's what Bright Future has been. Yeah. Yes. But it's been challenging for some years now. I mean, you know, you need some funding as well. But mm-hmm. uh, the funding, though, is being challenging. Like I told you, we still keep moving. You know, I'm just yeah. putting myself together to reorganize the fundamentals in the organization. We'll, we'll be on our feet soon. Yeah. yeah, I feel like that's always the most challenging part. Yeah, yeah. Especially for artists, you know, like we talked about that you don't get much in the way of business, yeah. like knowledge <laughs> as an artist. Yeah, yeah. You have to figure it out on your own. Exactly. But it's all good. And is there anything else that we missed? Anything you wanted to touch on that we didn't get to talk about? Yeah, I strongly believe that as an artist or as a teaching artist, it is important you get to understand your purpose in life. I mean, you don't follow the crowd. You don't waste your time following or engaging in vanity. I mean, you don't waste your time mm-hmm. trying to be famous. People come around me, hey, Achu, I want you to help me. And I ask, help you, fine. I wouldn't deny. But why? What do you need? I want to be famous. I want to be like this until I said that you are wasting your time. I don't have that time for mm-hmm. like that. I believe that we exist to empower. I believe that we exist as teaching artists or artists to confront issues in the world, in our communities. You know, mm-hmm. the most important thing that we exist, we exist to impact life. We exist to become solution makers, you know, bring solutions, you know, make mm-hmm. people happy, make people smile, empower people. I mean, that is what keeps me on. So I believe that if there's anything this interview we really want to wrap up with is we artists and teaching artists exist to make positive impacts in the world. And that's it, nothing else. Mm-hmm. Anything else coming in, like fame, money, properties, what have you, it's just a bonus. If they don't come, you can still leave. And that has been my life all this while. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so grateful. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I love that. Yeah, that we exist to empower people and, and make positive change. That's beautiful. Yeah. Uh, thank you so much. Oh, I did want to ask, where can listeners connect with you if they want to connect? Yeah, I'm on Facebook. I use Peter Achu Adalete. Mm-hmm. And on YouTube, I use Achu Adalete. Mm-hmm. On Google, on Twitter, all those platforms. I mean, Achu Adalete, you surely get me. Anybody who hits the name Achu Adalete will surely find me. So it's easy to have yeah. yeah. On Google, any other. Awesome. Thing. But I'm not on all the 
social media platforms no i'm on ig it's too much <laughs> too much i'm just limited myself to i'm more on facebook mm-hmm. and yeah, okay facebook. yeah and i can link there too yeah exactly i'm on facebook great so i'll include links and go connect and yeah yes thank you so much for sharing your journey your history and all of the great advice and words of wisdom i'm grateful rebecca thank you so so much for this means a lot to me thank you so much for listening as always you can reach me at teaching artist podcast on instagram or teaching artist podcast at gmail.com who do you want to hear from please share your recommendations of teaching artists And if you loved this episode, please subscribe, leave a review wherever you listen to podcasts and follow me. It really makes a big difference. Thank you. Thank you.